This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Census Bureau not only spends a lot of time and effort gathering information, it also has a large operation for processing and disseminating it. Recently, it retired a long-standing channel, the American Fact Finder. For what has replaced it and some of the reasoning, we turn to the Assistant Chief of the Center for Enterprise Dissemination, Robert Chestnut. Mr. Chestnut, good to have you on. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. So are people beating down the doors and screaming, bring back American Fact Finder, or did the transition go pretty smoothly? Uh, We have a little bit of that right now, but we've also had a big communications effort over the last year trying to bring people in and let them know about the new way to access data on data.census.gov. And we actually released the application over a year ago, so people have had a chance to kind of have a nice gradual transition. How would you characterize the people that most used American Fact Finder, that most used data.census.gov? I mean, is it mostly academics? Is it mostly marketing people? Or, or tell us. So we have a very wide variety of data users. American Fact Finder supported students, researchers, business owners, other government agencies, the media, uh, nonprofit organizations, and many, many others. And the users were coming in, they were looking for data for school projects or maybe a business plan. Grant applications was something people accessed the data for a lot. Local community planning and even some disaster recovery planning. So the list of our users and the reason they access the data is extremely long. Sure. And uh, describe for us, say, the difference in architecture between American Fact Finder and what people would encounter there and the new data.census.gov site. So one of the main focuses in the shifts with the data.census.gov is that it is focused on our census data, what we call application programming interface or the API. The Census Bureau sees the data API as the heart of the enterprise data dissemination platform. This API allows our developers or an external developers to easily come in and grab data to include in the applications that they're building. At the same time, at the Bureau, we're using the data API as our source of data for data.census.gov. So the advantages with that is that when we make an update to the data within the API, it makes every application that uses that data, it updates it right then. A quick example may be some real estate websites will pull in data about your community to show you some key characteristics. They write that code one time, and then we'll release new data, and the data in that component that they wrote before is updated automatically. So we're also focusing on a service-based architecture, including some of these services specifically around searching, mapping capabilities, and even the table rendering capabilities. The flexibility that this allows us on this architecture is that we're easy for us to swap out components and services as the technology changes. For example, say the search technology changes in a few years. We can move to that latest technology without having to redevelop the entire site. Well, when you talk about APIs and coding, that sounds like a very different implication than something called Fact Finder. And for the casual visitor who wants to find out something about a locale or about a population, can they still do that without having to program an application to the API? Yes. So one of the main things still is that we are trying to reach all of our data users from that very novice user, a student, or even someone that wants to update the sign for their town for the 2020 census with the population of their town, from all of those users to the very advanced researchers to the developers. That is the goal and the focus, to be able to meet the needs of that wide variety of users. We still have a single search platform, and that's actually something that was added versus American Fact Finder. There's a single search bar where you can come in and type in 
the name of your town or city and actually get a quick profile that gives you data right away and answers a lot of your questions right off the bat. And all of this data now, did you have to re-host it on different systems? I mean, what are some of the IT implications here? Is it all in the cloud now? So no, right now we're not all in the cloud. We are still hosting on-premises. And the main reasons for this is that we're still looking at the cost implications of the transactions that we do in the cloud. So with being able to come in and retrieve data and pull it down, that's not a model that we have seen work well in the cloud yet. We're still researching it and we're trying to find out how we can play in that space. But as of right now, we host everything on-premises. Yeah, basically the cloud provider's don't charge you to put the data in. They just charge you to take it out, in other words. Right. And this is a very transactional-based system because I'm going to pull the data based on what you ask for. So if you come in and ask for something for Washington, D.C., we're actually going to go to the database, pull that data out, and populate a table specifically for Washington, D.C. at the time of your call. We're speaking with Robert Chestnut. He is the assistant chief of the Center for Enterprise Dissemination at the Census Bureau. And what has the take-up been? Are you looking at the metrics on usage between the old fact finder and now the new site? Yeah. So we have just retired American fact finder on March 31st, like you mentioned earlier, and we are starting to see an uptick. So we don't even have a week under our belt, but we have seen kind of a steady increase in the usage. Um, a couple things that we want to focus on, we want to listen to the feedback that we're receiving. So we have the ability for people to write in and say, if they're able to find the data and how well that's going. So we're really monitoring that closely. But then the other thing that we're going to watch is the metrics that people actually accessing the data, how many tables are being accessed, what tables people are accessing, what types of data people are accessing, what type of search terms people are using. So we're starting to watch and monitor all that, but we've only had a week where we've totally transitioned to data.census.gov. Sure. So it's early. And will you also be looking at the sources of inquiries so that you could say, uh-oh, the realtors aren't looking as much as they used to, and maybe you could reach out to different groups? Yes. With some of the metrics that we can collect, and that's one of the key things that we look at. So we know, um, we definitely can see throughout the year that whenever we have a big student base and researcher base throughout the fall and the spring, and then in the summertime, it kind of slows down with all the .edu access. The government access, we see that throughout the year. And then we can just watch those trends and see who's accessing the data. And if there's actually specific groups that we want to reach out to and kind of promote access to, uh, that we have a data that we think would be able to help them in their industry or in their government space, um, we're able to kind of tailor that outreach to those groups. And it looks like the timing of this might have been designed to coincide with the eventual receipt of the national count, the 2020 decennial count. God willing, they'll be able to get that done in some reasonable fashion, given the situation. But will that data also be put in behind this new front end? Yes. So the 2020 census will be our most exciting release in the next year. So as you know, it's happening right now and the data will be collected, tabulated and delivered to our group and data.census.gov will have the 2020 data sets starting in early 2021. But this year we have data coming out from the economic census, which was collected in 2017. This provides a great deal of detail on our economy and our nation's businesses. This data is being released out on a flow basis with updates weekly and sometimes even twice a week. Another data set that generates a great deal of interest is the American Community Survey, which is data on a wide range of topics from population, age, race, income, health insurance, veterans, and many more topics. So this data is released annually starting in September. 
And then we're also working to release some of those other 130 data sets or so that the Census Bureau collects that are hidden on census.gov. We're trying to get some of those data sets into data.census.gov and make them available for users to access there. So you're really at the beginning of a long journey here. Yeah, very early in the process. We expect more and more data to be released over the next you know, 10 years or so, and that's what we're focusing on right now. And for those users that might have missed the webinar that you did a couple of weeks ago, is that still archived online that they can still watch it? Yes, we can provide you with a link for that. And yes, we have been recording all the webinars. We've actually had several. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we've done a lot of outreach over the last year. And we've had several of these webinars where we've had some great attendance from everyone from reporters to researchers to school and academia. So we have that available that we can put out. And we also have another resource page that actually gives some kind of how-to videos and a little bit of tutorial for finding data on data.census.gov. Robert Chestnut is Assistant Chief of the Center for Enterprise Dissemination at the Census Bureau. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate the chance. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Stay up to date on your agency's latest responses to coronavirus. Visit our special resource page at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffel Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.